Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot, Tottenham Hotspur 4, Aston Villa 0. Let's just keep on keeping on. The good times are rolling at Tottenham Hotspur, and we are here to talk about it. Got my friends with me. We'll start out by throwing it out to the Todd father. It's Todd. He's at TC underscore Cachot. Todd, what's going on, my friend? Any day, folks, any day that you open a three-point gap on the scum, any day that you watch yourselves go 10 goals clear in the goal difference category is a good day. It's a good day. And we're going to play some Champions League football next year. Andrew, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, things are things are looking up, my friend. Things are looking way, way up. We're looking up. We're not we're not even looking down anymore. We're just looking up. Uh, Caroline is also with us. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, it was a bit of a nail biter in the first half. But, you know, thanks to Hugo keeping us firmly in the lead, we were able to rally in the second half. And, you know, Hyungman son did his thing and the rest is history. A lot to say about Hugo Lloris uh, and a lot will be said on this podcast here over the course of the next hour or so. Shuban is also with us. He is at the real Shuban and he is real and he is here. Shuban, what's going on, my friend? Oh, God, sweet Caroline. Good times never felt so good. So good. So good. <laughs> Honestly, you know, we, we, we have a, we, I don't know if you have Carlsberg in America, but one of the, we have Carlsberg over here. And I said, you know what? If Carlsberg, we do say Carlsberg do days, football days, it would be a day, as he said, when Arsenal lose a home to Brighton, who have been on a horrible streak. And we, well, somehow survive an absolute mauling to come out for no winners. That's just, <laughs> like, tell me, it doesn't get better than this. It really doesn't, um, and and let's actually let's start out there because I wanna I wanna take everyone through everyone's Saturday here um, because this has been a little bit of a wild Saturday. Um, started out, woke up this morning, realized oh Everton are beating Manchester United, and and they held on to to do so. Um, you know Ronaldo uh, decided to to kind of chunk a late chance and then uh, chunk someone's phone as well into the ground, and you know. What a what a what a genuinely good guy he is, uh, but but Man United fall early, uh, and then you sit and you watch, uh, you know, Arsenal lose to Brighton, and you're thinking, wow, this is what a, what a Saturday this could turn out to be, um, and then Tottenham come out in the first half, and despite scoring a goal early, they make it about as challenging as possible on themselves, and then they come out in the second half and just say, no, 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 we were just we were just fucking around in that first half, everything's fine, right, Todd? Yeah, so a couple of things on that. Um, you and I were kind of talking in the group chat, Andrew, Andrew, just kind of going back and forth. One of the things that we noticed uh, in the first half is that Aston Villa were doing a really good job of shutting off the wide outlets to Sonny and Decky. Um, and it was something where, as we talked about it, you know, I, I said, well, at halftime, you know, I would imagine the adjustments, um, you know, move inside in terms of the way that we're starting to see the outlet balls. Because you, you made the point, Andrew, that they were bringing, they were playing a very high line, and that should play into the hands of our counterattack. Sure enough, second half, middle balls all day long on the counter. Shocker. Um, essentially, Steven Gerrard's got a 45-minute team, and we saw that again today. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I kind of what I wanted to get your 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 real thoughts on though, Todd, and, and I appreciate all the points you just made, don't get me wrong, but what about everything that happened before the game? Like, holy shit, man. Like, were you not feeling so let me let me paint the picture for, for our listeners. Go ahead. Our group chat was kind of blowing up a little bit this morning. Uh the, the wonderful Scott and lovely cat are traveling this morning, and every time something good happened in favor of Spurs before the Spurs match even started, Scott would message holy shit did brighton beat arsenal or holy shit did manchester united <laughs> lose and like we were like yeah all of these all of these dominoes are kind yes. of falling all of these pins are being knocked down and then listen i mean to that very point andrew to that very point three point gap on the scum okay we got a six point gap and uh and level on games played 
with West Ham and with Man United after today. And just a, a, another cheeky little note, Spurs have now scored more goals in 2022, like the calendar year of 2022, under Conte, than Arsenal scored all season. So I don't know if that's good or not, but um, we're headed in a positive direction. I'm, I'm pretty um, sure it's good, yes. I want to say, um, it's funny you, you're talking about that. So on Sky, they were interviewing Hugo Lloris, and they were actually asking about about all this. And like Sonny had this big, broad smile when they mentioned like the losses by Arsenal and Man United. And but then like Hugo was because Hugo was basically like on the party line of like no no we've got to focus on ourselves we've got to work ourselves enough and you see Sonny like bow his head he's all very very serious very contrite and then he can't resist having another smile again and just laughing his head off and it's just so funny he goes from smile to very contrite very serious and smiling again and that's what it was I mean I'll be honest I watched the Everton game I didn't want to watch the Arsenal match because I thought Do you know what I I'm, I. I, I'm gonna be my nerves are gonna be shredded anyway. When the nerves are all already shredded anyway by the Everton game, so I'm, I'm actually I do have a lot of fun affection for Everton, and I thought you know what I you know, Spurs can always shred, shred my nerves anyway. So I thought you know what I want to have some nerves be shredded for the actual Arsenal game for the actual our game. So I thought yeah, you know, do you know what? So I don't want to bother with that. What's going to happen with Arsenal? It's going to happen with Arsenal. Just focus on us and um, even like. Pre, pre-match, I think, I don't know if Conte, if they interview, if you see the Conte interview, but they they were asking about that. And he was like, no, I'm going to talk about it. I'm focusing on my team and it's about, we're handling our business. And I've got to say, you know what, ever since, um, guys, and another shout out to my, I think this was a, this was a first game, uh, Ben's daughter, actually at, at the, at the harp, where I, where I saw my first game as well in America. And but ever since she was born, we've literally been having four goal margins. So, Thank you, Maya. Love it. Thank you, Maya. Well, I obviously have no concept of self-care because I did watch the Arsenal match and let my nerves get nice and, you know, tense before our game. And, you know, to be fair, Brighton were very much under the pressure at the end of the match. And, you know, they lost their clean sheet. But I'm glad they were able to hold on. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, okay, Everything's going our way this weekend. Should I be feeling nervous about our match now? And the honest truth is that I did not because I just feel so confident in the team that we have in Conte. You know, a few months ago, if you asked me the same question in this scenario, I would be like, oh, God, we're definitely going to lose. <laughs> That's a great shout. And somebody else made that yeah. point, Caroline. Burnley was 45 days ago. Hard to believe, but yeah, I mean the, the that's, turnaround that's, we've seen. That's the is day incredible. that everyone, yeah, that's the day that everyone said top, top four was done, and and that there was no chance that that this team was any good, and there's no chance that this team was gonna even sniff top four, right? That, that was, was that, that day. Was the, that was the days when potatoes on the internet said that half of our team wouldn't start for Burnley. Yeah, well, a bunch of potatoes were planted, and now they're being uh, harvested. Harvested potatoes. That that maybe that's the episode <laughs> title. I don't know. Um, let look, we've had our fun about Arsenal and United losing. And by the way, to your point, Todd, yes, West Ham as well. West Ham still play this weekend, so we'll wait to see. But I, I don't know. I'm not worried about West Ham. I, I I feel like like Arsenal are the threat and that that United are the threat. And honestly, if Spurs play like they played today, no one's a fucking threat. Um, but to that point, let's get into this match because I I went in after the match was over. I went in, talked to my wife for a minute, and she said they, they won, right? And I said Oh yeah, they won. They got their asses kicked though, because that's kind of what it felt like. Like it felt like Spurs absolutely got throttled in this match and still won it four nil, which she looked at me when I said that and said, how does, what do you mean? How do you explain that? And I said, I don't know. So Caroline, how do I explain this to, 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 to anyone, much less my wife who did not watch the game? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that we, you know, got kind of throttled in the first half because quite literally Aston Villa was playing a very physical game. The ref was not intervening <laughs> at all. So it was, I, I was honestly at the point where I was like, Oh my God, someone's going to break a leg. If this continues, um, you know, letting those challenges go um, without a card. And I, I think there was a little bit of the dark arts happening as well from some of the Aston Villa players um, Ask Matt Doherty's knee. 
Yes. And, and of course, Tottenham was the first team to actually get a yellow card, not undeservedly for the foul, but still. So I, I think you're fair to say that we, we got beat up on, but the important thing is that we weathered the storm. We didn't raise to the bait and, you know, start putting in uh, reckless tackles ourselves and put ourselves in a situation where we could get someone, you know, sent off. So. Well, it's it's interesting, and and this kind of goes to Todd's point earlier. So we get the early goal from Sun, and I'm thinking, well, shit. When Tottenham score early, they can kind of play the game, the kind of game that they want to play. Then, and and do the. I, I even hate using the word counterattacking because it's more than that. It's controlled attacking. Um, but Spurs were not able to do that throughout the whole first half. I mean, they really were bedded in defensively, and 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 getting you know, getting, like I said, kind of throttled. And that's when we have to point to, let's let's dive into him right now. Hugo Lloris made seven of his eight saves in the first half. Um, man of the match for me, I know everyone wants to give it to Sun because he had the three goals and, and held. Sun had a great game. Kulisevsky had a great game. But it, 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 nobody had a bad game, let's be honest. But for me, the man of the match is Hugo Lloris because I honestly and firmly believe that if Hugo Lloris is not the goalkeeper in the first half of this match, Spurs maybe don't maybe don't win, maybe don't even come away with a point because Villa probably have one or two at least in that first half and can keep playing that way that the way that they want to in the second half. Todd, you disagree? This is the, this is the first time that I'm actually going to give you credit for sliding Sun. It's okay. Uh, it's Hugo deserves <laughs> I'm not, man of the match. Okay, I'm not Hugo sliding Sonny. I'm not uh-huh. sliding him. He had uh-huh. a hell of a game. I mean, you didn't even call it a hat trick. You just got to hey, – I know he scored three goals. You didn't even call it a hat trick. Like, what are we doing? The you man need, makes you it. Need, the man's you need the bow put on your present. I do. In a you need the cherry on your Sunday? Tag? <laughs> if you're offering, big guy. Um <laughs> But we're over here having a conversation about uh, an amazing performance from our captain, who, to be fair, has had a few suspect performances on the bounce in the last few weeks. And, you know, a few different goals where you're just like, gosh, Hugo's not quite the same as he was. Hugo's lost a step. Hugo used to be so great at those reaction saves. Oh, where's Hugo? Here's Hugo. Okay, Hugo is the best reaction save goalie in the world at the time. And anybody who says different, doesn't look at stats, or actually watch games. So when you move to the point that you made, Andrew, I have a really hard time disagreeing with it because you go up a goal. Now, I don't know. You really want to, though. <laughs> I will, because I don't know what happens if, if they if they crack back and they get a goal. I think we change our shape. I think we I, do I, different I things. I think you're right. I think, I think the key save, weirdly, was the last one of that first half, the save he made on Coutinho's free kick, where he has Ooh. to dive to his right. And to me, if that thing slips through, it is so deflating for Spurs because they give up a goal. You know, they they withstand all the pressure right up until the moment where you're about to go into into halftime. And if if that go if that ball goes in, it's one one and a half, and you're thinking, ah, shit. Okay, the the dam the dam broke and broke, and then things might get a little weird in the second half. I just don't know where it goes. That save gives the team. I mean that that save is almost for me. It, it's almost like a secondary assist for the Kulisevsky goal at 50 minutes coming out of the second half because that that gave Spurs the like buoy to go into the second half with you know get that and, and once like let's be honest once that second goal went in that game was a the final was a 40 rat. minutes of the, the 40, 40 final 40 minutes of that game were were an absolute joke like it, there was there was no chance Spurs were dropping points after they got the no. second goal. No, no, no. And that's that's a really great shout there. The fact that they were not dropping points after that second goal, 100%. Um, I would say, however, that the most important save that Hugo made um, was the one where he had to, I don't know if it was Danny Ings, was the one where he had to go uh, down into his left and actually parry it away. And it oh, was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that that was one where if that goes in in that moment, they've got 15 minutes left in the second half and we're back on, or in their first half and we're back on our heels. They've got another one coming. I like, think he was actually talk. going to his right on that one, but I know what you're, I know which one you're talking about. He, right. he's yeah. going, he was going to our left by the view, but th- there were so many of these. That's the thing. And he was just being peppered in that first half. I mean, Shubhan, and they did themselves no favor. No, they 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 hundred percent. Shuban, is there anyone else in the world that you would want between the sticks right now for Spurs other than Hugo Lloris? I feel like this guy gets 
almost underappreciated at Spurs. And look, go go look at the club's uh, man of the match vote right now. I guarantee you he's not going to be the one leading it. Well, I, I want to see Manuel Neuer, but I think Caroline will be really pissed at me. He's, <laughs> he's not anymore. So if I, I don't, I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm not gonna no. say that name. But um, no, I just thought he played an actual, what I call, I don't know if you, if, you, if you had the same phrase, but a captain's innings. He really held it together. And like I said, when you when you watch Hugo, you remember, I remember like him and um, um, Pochettino were very, very close. And Pochettino was very much like Hugo. Hugo was his man. Yeah. And again, Conte is very much his man. They, they're both saying the same things on and off the pitch. And I think, you know, like I said, he, he, it was just incredible how his someone says. But I think another thing you can say is this: there's a reason why Danny Ings isn't really in contention anymore to replace Harry Kane, as in like someone who oh, oh, I'll play Danny Ings instead of Harry Kane. There's a reason why Ollie Watkins will probably make the may, may make the World Cup, but everyone's praying that Harry Kane stay fit. Literally, in and I'm I'm sorry to say it's the Kaz because. She, you know, she has her team has, a, has a, her other side has a wonderful number nine as well. But honestly, I honestly think that Harry Kane, if he's not considered to be one of the best players in the world this year, I don't know how else he can be because as a number nine, he's the best number nine in the Premier League. As a number ten, I think only De Bruyne comes anywhere remotely as close. You know, that's how good he is. I mean, apart from maybe. And I think Lewandowski, brilliant player that he is. I mean, lethal in the box. But I cannot imagine. And he's, he's, not, he's a very good footballer as well. But as an all-round footballer, the levels that he is showing. I mean, I'm reading a book about right now about, about Jimmy Grace, who, um, you know, who's basically who's got the Spurs record amount of goals. I honestly do think that do you know what, in terms of the number of assists for Spurs and number of goals for Spurs, I think. Harry Kane will get will get both records. He just is on that level. And it's something that's interesting. Um, so someone who's recently followed me and followed the pod, um, she's been she's a big big fan of Sonny. I never would have thought that Sonny would have been our Premier League top scorer. Generally, you think it's going to be Kane, Kane, Kane. The fact that he's chasing down, you know, what do call it, Salah, who's you know, I mean, Liverpool are a machine right now. But yeah, in terms of like what Sonny's what Kane's, what, I'm sorry, Hugo's doing, I cannot think of any player. I mean, Alisson's a very good goalkeeper, but he's not what I call, I, I, I don't say Spider-Man, but do you know the way he can just have that reflex just to make that incredible save? Yeah. He can, he's a very good keeper. Edison's a very good keeper. Alisson's more about one-on-ones, um, commanding his line, everything else. Edison's more about his distribution. Obviously, Neuer is like just amazing at everything. But in terms of just reflexes, the way he moved, I mean, my Lord, I mean, he's, what, 34 or something? Maybe him and Karim Benzema are, I don't know, both drinking the same, whatever, from when they go training at France or something, because they're both playing at incredible levels and define their age. Karim Benzema, wish he was as good as Harry Kane. Get out of here. <laughs> well, Maybe. just ahead, just to end on Hugo... I think that he's the keeper that we really need for the way that we play. Um, Cause right now our, our defense is in such a good spot that really our only vulnerabilities are set pieces, which we know. And God. just those and incredible. Eric had the ball. Right. <laughs> and, and then just those kind of incredible shots that like you really need a world-class stop uh, shot stopper to stop off those. And he does that for us. That that's a really incredible point, Caroline. Like being being a goalkeeper for the way that we play, because like you say, the one weakness is those set pieces where you know a ball might whip in there, and you need a guy that can you know. We don't need him to to distribute the ball, you right? Know, because we exactly. all know that you that's that's kind of one of Hugo's down points. Even though he he pops up every now and again and gets the ball out there, and but like that's not what he does. He's a shot stopping goalkeeper. Um, and he can direct traffic and that's what is needed to kind of help the weakness of what this defense is right now. And, and, a, and a defense, by the way, that is playing really damn good football. Um, what, what is that? Like two goals in the last four that they've allowed. I'll take those averages because especially when you've got an offense humming, like it is, um, you're going to win a lot of games that way. And, and I think that's a really good point. Um, let's 
talk for a moment, uh, get off Hugo and, and, and talk for a moment about the, the Matt Darty injury, because that sucked. Um, and to your point earlier, Caroline, the, the bodies were flying in this match. Like it, it was, there were a lot of hard tackles being thrown in. Even the, you know, the commentators over here in the States on NBC were like, wow, this is, this is like an old school kind of brawl going on, going down right now. Um, and it wasn't just Villa players throwing, throwing in challenges, you know, Spurs, Spurs players were throwing them in as well. And, and it just, it got kind of gnarly and the Darty one, I don't, I saw a lot of people thinking that that was like a red card challenge on Darty. I actually thought it was a fairly clean tackle. It was just a hard tackle. It was a coming together and Todd's really upset that I'm saying this right now. I thought it was a little unlucky um that 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 the the legs came together in the way that they did but go ahead todd tell me why i'm wrong he played it was very high it was very high that's all i'm gonna say if you played it was very high it it was it was high i don't think it was look it could have been called a foul don't get me wrong i don't think it was a red card um, like, like I saw many other people. I saying, think a yellow would have been fair. Yeah. Don't push, push me into the hyperbole zone by calling it okay. a high challenge. Cause it was very, <laughs> yeah. high, it was a very high challenge. And my guy left the fucking stadium in a knee brace. So talk to me yeah. about what type of offense it was. Nobody else left the stadium in a knee brace today. Not that we know of. No, you're right. Uh, it, it, it does suck because Doherty has been playing so damn well. And it's even, even last week when everyone was nervous, uh, against, uh, Newcastle, about him having to potentially play on the left side. Well, he was doing it again today with Emerson on the right. And both of those guys seemed like they were going to be able to, to, to at least do a job again. Um, so for him to have to go out, I think the thing that made me even more nervous was the idea of having to have Sergio Reggion come on for what ended up being, I think closer to 70 minutes or, you know, 70 plus minutes. Cause Darty tried to stay on for about another 10 minutes after uh, the initial injury. But that is, that's what really, really made me nervous because Reggie coming off of, of his own injury woes and, and just getting back into the team this week, I thought to myself, Oh boy, is this guy going to be fit enough? Um, and, and to that point, I don't know that Reggie there, there was a lot of, and this is especially the case in the first half. And I think a lot of it is because of the way that Villa was playing Caroline, but there was a lot of turnovers. There was a lot of just trying to hoof the ball forward and get it out because they were under such pressure. But a lot of that for me came from, from a guy like Reggie who was just, passing it to the middle and it was getting turned over and and Spurs were right back under pressure which I thought was tough but he did have a couple of of decent defensive moments as well a couple of interceptions yeah he, he did play I think better on defense than he did on offense for sure um, because we know he did miss that one shot opportunity so the old issue of Reggion's finishing persists <laughs> which is not great uh, especially since Doherty you know has been showing a lot more uh, talent in that regard but I, I just think that having that forced substitution kind of threw the team off. And that was a big part of why we struggled to keep possession uh, later on in the first half. And it, but the good thing is that we know that Conte is someone who's is good at adjusting. Um, he obviously had a very effective halftime talk because the team came back out in the second half and it was like, everybody was in sync again. So, you know, it wasn't ideal to have that um, mix up occur, but we, we, Survived the onslaught again, thanks to Hugo. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. And Todd, to your point, you know, and I think Dakota even made that. Shout out to Dakota. He made this point uh, in our group chat. Uh, I think he wanted to be called D- Dakidamus or something. I think he, there was some weird nickname that he wanted. I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know, he kind of Dakidamus. Yeah. He he wanted to be he he wanted to be credited with the idea that that Spurs would come out in the second half if they held on to that one nil lead like they did, and throw in a second and and roll from there and sure as shit, that's exactly what they did and and this is the portion of the program where we continue to talk about this front three. Um, Shuban, you wanted to you know you wanted to throw all the praise on on Harry Kane earlier when when I asked you about Hugo Lloris. Let's do it now though, like. Two assists, and this guy's not even scoring, but this team's producing four goals. Like, what the hell? It's it's just remarkable. I mean, it's really weird because when he first started his career, they liked him to be like Teddy Sheeran and like having to play as a, as a you know withdrawn because he didn't have the pace. And then all of a sudden, he had that explosiveness. So whether this is a reaction to him no longer having that pace he once had, or whether it's just a case of do you know what we actually have effective runners in behind because 
um, Darren Ben, you can tell you how much it pained him and Sooner to say it, but I put our front three against Liverpool's front three. And I don't, I think, yeah, Liverpool's front three is amazing. I'm not going to take anything away from them, but I would not say our, our, our front three holds their own against Liverpool's. And the fact that they've, you know, they've barely had, I mean, Kuliszewski joined very late, no preseason or anything. And, you know, he's you know, obviously he's come from a you know slight obviously not 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 less physically but definitely knowing near the same pace and the amount of goals and assists i think he has more goals and assists than i think well out uh, that probably lacazette has had all season or something it's just ridiculous my favorite stat there is lacazette and Aubameyang have the same amount of goals for arsenal this season <laughs> just saying uh, and, and and Obama Yang left in January. For, no, and for, and two of those and two of those for Laka were penalties. So yeah. and he's got four. So well, let's, let's let me run through some numbers here for you, Todd, and 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 digest these for me. First of all, today's numbers: Sun three goals. Obviously, I'll call that Ooh. a hat trick. I'll, I'll call that a hat trick. There he is. Uh, Harry Kane two assists. Uh, Dejan Kulusevski one goal, one assist. Uh, Tottenham have scored twelve goals in their last three games, and Harry Kane hasn't scored any of those goals, which I think is kind of a remarkable tally. Um, Hyungmin's son has now 17 Premier League goals, which matches last year's total. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously going to obliterate that. He's three behind Mo Salah for the golden boot. He leads in non-penalty goals, which mm-hmm. is important to note because Salah gets all of Liverpool's penalties and scores them all. And Liverpool gets um, a shit ton of penalties. Liv and Liverpool gets a shit ton of penalties. Yeah, Liverpool, exactly. So take take it anywhere you want with these these three i mean they yeah. Shuban says he'd, he'd compare them with with liverpool's front three i don't think that that's a ridiculous claim even though i think Shuban makes a lot of ridiculous claims i don't think that's one of them um listen the, the thing about liverpool's front three is consistency and you get it from them consistently across the board now that you've actually got someone who can do the things that decky can do Spurs are starting to get consistency out of their front three. And when you've got Harry Kane and Youngman Son on the other side, that's really dangerous. I think it was something, the stat that just came out, it's like since since Decky joined, it's like nine goals and assists for him, 13 for Sonny, 19 for Kane, or maybe flip-flop those numbers, whatever it is. It's just a glut of goals. And the reason why, in my opinion, is Harry Kane's the best player in the Premier League. And Dejan Kulusevski, who is a few months younger than Phil Foden, by the way, for those of our English listeners curious about that talent pool, has showed poise beyond his years, like more so than maybe any signing that we've ever brought in. Uh, and actually, uh, to, to Shuban's point, Rodgers is probably uh, – there you go. Rodgers is probably up there with it as well in terms of poise. Uh, but this front three, Andrew – I'm going to give you one word for it, and that is prolific. If it maintains, it is a prolific front three. And when you have a prolific front three, and Antonio Conte is your manager, oof, spicy. Well, you guys mentioned earlier, you mentioned potatoes. I think Kulu, his first game, he didn't like set the world on fire. And there are a lot of, I suppose, would you call them baby new potatoes then maybe, Andrew? That will like say, oh, this guy's rubbish. He's, he's whatever. He's yeah. not going to be any good. I'm like, he's barely even played ten minutes or something. I don't know how much English he speaks or whatever. And it's not. I mean, yeah, we had like some like let's like, much that we laugh at Arsenal shit in the bed today. We shut the bed against Wolves. You know, the Southampton game. We should be a lot further up. You know, we should at least got at least a point. You know, at least three points from those two games, especially at home. But whatever reason, we didn't do it. But I think, yeah, it's part of the growth. And do you know what? We need to give a credit, well, good credit to Conte, the players, but Paratici, or am I saying it right, Todd? I know apparently you, I, I say you, it wrong you are actually, you, you pronounce that properly. Um, yeah, the fact that he was, he had the contacts, he clearly, I think he, I definitely think he, I think with Romero as well, I think he signed Romero for Juventus or, or for Atalanta or something. So, he clearly knows his players. So I don't know if Juventus are going to be our feeder club. I'm sure Dakota's hoping they will, especially with Dybala. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, that is the sign. Honestly, I cannot 
maybe Fernandez two years ago, obviously Cantona many moons ago. But I cannot think of any mid-season signings. Actually, I also Ian Wright actually for Arsenal as well. He was he was a mid. This is before transfer windows. Um, he he was as well. But I I cannot think of any mid-season signings that have really transformed the club as much. Especially not in apart from say Bruno Fernandez. That's the only one that comes to mind really. Well, that. Reminds me of the point that I wanted to make. Uh, you know, Todd was saying the word he wants to use for this front three is prolific. I think we should also add the word generous because one of the things that's always kind of dogged Liverpool um, with their front three is, you know, sort of rumors that they don't always get along and they, they are kind of selfish when it comes to hoarding chances for themselves. Um, but Kulisevsky, even though he just got here, he already seems to fit in with the very unselfish spirit that Sun and Kane have been playing with all this season. And you could see on the, on the last goal for Sun that Kulisevsky got the assist. He was looking for Sun. He wanted him to get that hat trick. And they just are so supportive to each other. And I think that's why, you know, I was thinking that this Liverpool game we have coming up is the one game where I was thinking, oh, we're going to drop points. But now... I, I genuinely think we can get something there because our top three is rivaling, if not exceeding their top three. So I heard two things in that. The first thing is Kaz agrees with Sun on Kulisevsky when, when Sun says, don't underrate his performances. You just can't. Uh, the second thing that I heard Kaz say is that um, Mo Salah is a bad teammate. And I don't disagree with that. Um, but... Uh, I'm just curious if there's 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 any other reason outside of uh, Mo Salah being a bad teammate that you think that we're that we're not going to drop points at Anfield. I just I, think... I have one word for it. Oh, we'll Romero. go ahead, Chubon. Romero, Romero was when you talk about all that the tackles flying in, and I think I don't know if Romero did think I think he did kick Coutinho a couple of times. I don't know if it was, if it was three times. There were, there were three separate times that, that he got that he <laughs> absolutely ran through that man. Well, and I'm pretty and sure he may well he may well have separated Lucas Dingy's shoulder. He did zero carts, zero carts. And, and, He's and the with best like the lightest, like yeah, with like the lightest of touches too. Like he gave him a little shove, and the the, the boy went down in a heap, and then was was being carried off with his arm wrapped around in his own shirt, like hold my arm here. I don't want my, my arm to fall out of, out of its shoulder socket right now. Like that guy is, and it's actually, it's actually a really good place to, but before we get off the front three, I just want to acknowledge, I don't think we've mentioned the canis, the, the cane assist, the flick on assist, the flick? Son, ah! which was just one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. Shoot, I know you don't like football being described as sexy, but, but it was sexy. That, that was pure sex. Like it was absolute sex. You know what? Call it, call it properly. Toxic pond water filth. <laughs> no, that's no, we're getting to him. We're we're, we're getting, getting to, him to the second. filthy one. I'm talking this about Kane just... still. You're bouncing all over the place here, Shubon. Listen, when Kane is sees the ball coming toward him, peeks over his shoulder to see where Sonny is, and then looks back to the ball and flicks it on with his beautiful forehead that's and his knowing haircut. how to please your partner, Andrew. Yeah, which which also is pure sex. Like that's all that was. He he damn it. Now you got me going wanting to go down a, a road of innuendos that I am not entirely comfortable with. But look, that goal was pure sex and I loved it. I loved every moment of it. So I before we move on to, to fully talking about the toxic pond water filth that is Christian Romero, I just wanted to acknowledge that goal because it was my frankly my favorite of the day even though all four of them are my babies and, and i love all my children equally um christian romero is todd you just you kind of slipped it in there the yeah, best defender you've ever seen at spurs I and, and all respect to ledley all respect I, to ledley I, it's a different player it's a different i don't know how to disagree with because everything he does right now is is toxic pond water filth. That's all it is. It is just, he's throwing his body everywhere. And guess what? 
not only is he really, really fucking good individually, he is making Eric Dyer and Ben Davis so much better than they actually yes. are. And those 100%. are very good. Those are very good players. Don't get me wrong. But Christian Romero is bringing the level of this center yeah. back trio up a notch and a half. And it is, it, it has me, as you can tell in my voice and my tone, it has me so fucking fired up for what is to come. And I'm actually getting to a point now where I'm looking at the schedule ahead and I'm realizing there are seven games to play. And I wish it were 17 because the way this team is playing, yeah. I, they, like if, if, if there were 17, I would say this team has a chance to run down city and Liverpool at this point because of the way that they're playing and because of the way this defense is playing. It's so incredible. And isn't it nice to be excited about the season at this point <laughs> and not yeah. dreading the run into the yeah. end in April? You're kidding. Like when, when do we get to be, I mean, we obviously had a champions league run a couple of years ago that was exciting down this, this part of the calendar, but like, Holy crap. You're that's a hundred percent true. Like we sit fourth right now. Here's, here's another really good one that I found a, a little note from, from our boy, Jonathan Beal. Uh, after that one nil defeat to Burnley that produced all of those potatoes in the soil, um, after that game, Spurs sat eighth. They were seven points behind Manchester United, which sat in fourth. Seven games later, they are now six points clear of United, and they lost their head-to-head matchup with them. That's the kind of run <laughs> that we are talking about. That's the kind of run we're talking about. That's the one loss in the last seven was to United. They Spurs have won six of their seven in the Premier League and four straight, and that's the one loss we're talking about, and they've still buzzed past Manchester United and they've buzzed past Arsenal now they've buzzed past everyone and they are we are actually in a place and you guys know me I am not someone who gets all positive and gets all lovey-dovey talking about Spurs we're actually in a position now where look it's still a long shot don't get me wrong but they're looking ahead to Chelsea in third like I'm not saying fourth is done and dusted they have a lot of work to do in these seven games but the eyes are forward which is there's a lot to be said about looking ahead rather than looking behind you if, and I, I 100% agree with you. I'm going to kick to you in just a second, Shubes. Two things. One, if uh, if if Chelsea doesn't hand a hatful to Hassan Huzel, uh today, you know we're having an entirely different conversation. But I think that realistically, I, I like the idea of looking ahead to City. I think that Conte is the type of guy that's always going to look ahead, look ahead, look ahead, and so I appreciate that. And they're within striking distance. It's literally, it's literally, it's what is it? Six points. Yeah, somewhere in there, five points. It's five points as it stands right now, uh, but they have a game in hand on us. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Um, listen, I can't – we can't undersell how good Cudi Romero is. Like, I think I think that the best way that I can describe this is that if you remember when um, Ederson came in for City and overtook Claudio Bravo, and it was just like, holy shit, the difference in class between these two individuals. And – Ederson's ability with to remain calm with the ball at his feet to his peril at times as a keeper. But that same sort of thing where it was like a revelation for that team, where it was like, oh, snap, you mean somebody plays a position like this? That's what it's like watching Cudi Romero. After we've mired through the muck of the Davidson Sanchez and Kevin Vimmers of this fucking world, to have Cudi Romero walk into this team, my days, it is a glorious time to wear number four on your back at Tottenham Hotspur. First of all, I'm not going to let that Kevin Wimmer thing slide. I was there when Jan came off, Wimmer came on for Jan, and for about three or four games, Wimmer and Toby played superb together. Um, Davison Sanchez, I can see him being up to requirements. I can definitely see him being moved on. But you know what? Obviously, the one game I think, obviously, people like Ronaldo is probably one of the finest players that we've ever seen, ever. I'm never going to see in my lifetime. And yeah, obviously, I think Hugh Romero had different men. I looked at one of his interviews he did, and he says he said, "Who was the toughest player you played against?" He goes, "Kareem Benzema." He was so good. But I tell you what, I will say that right now, the Kuta Romero that we've got on this and this level and this like streak, it'll be interesting how his streak matches up to Liverpool's streak. Who they play? Will they play? They play Diaz or Mane. I think that will tell us so much more about where Romero is or where Romero will be. Because if he comes out on top, let's say we... Look, I'm, I, I think we'll probably go to Anfield and to, to go to Anfield is... I mean, I, honestly, I've resisted going up to Anfield matches because I just think, oh my God, we're going to absolutely sh- slammed. 
But you know what? I don't feel as scared. I mean, I've you know, and I look at our eleven, and apart from say at the left back and uh, apart from the wing backs, I put our nine against Liverpool's nine easily. And I think in certain positions, especially like with obviously Harry Kane, stuff like that, we've got some much superior players. But I really think that, you know, aside from those two weaknesses in terms of fullbacks, and that's something we know we're working on. Honestly, I don't see, you know, maybe maybe, maybe Ben Davies because obviously it's his lack of pace. But realistically, honestly, I don't feel that fear. And I'll, I'll probably regret saying that now, but I, I don't think I should be because Romero is playing at such a level and it's that discipline. Because I think he got into some needless, I think he kicked with Richarlison and Apart from, maybe because he was Brazilian or something, he just kicked him or something. And then you saw, I mean, you, and you heard like, was it Conte and a massive go at him, just yelling his name or something, yelling at him. But since that game, I don't, I can't, I'm, I don't remember his last booking was. Was that West Ham maybe? I can't remember when his last booking was. It's, it was seems to be a, a fair, fair while back. So he's obviously clearly taken on the instruction. He's calmed himself down, and he, he's, I, I call him Sergio Ramos because. The fact that he managed to injure a player and get away with it, that is pure Ramos. That and really kick is. multiple Brazilian players while they were down without getting a foul or a card for it. It's it's toxic pond water filth is how I would describe it. It's what it is. I can't disagree um, with that. Uh, look, I, I think it's important, too, to note, and, and Chuban, you just started to, to kind of allude to it. Like, you're almost – you have that feeling, and I'm not saying you. This is the royal you because I have it as well. You have that feeling of almost getting a little too confident and saying, holy shit, could we really, like, go to Liverpool? Look, that match is four away. Like, I'm, I'm focused on Brighton next. Like, that's the next match for Spurs, and that's all I'm really thinking about. But there is this place that, that I think a lot of us get to uh, of almost feeling – and I, I do it all the time. Listen to me. I'm hedging my bets right now. Um of getting almost too confident about this club. But at the same time, I think it's really important for us to be able to enjoy an ass kicking like this and an ass kicking that, as you'll note, I started out by saying Spurs got kind of trucked in this game and won it four nil. If Tottenham can go out and win a game four nil that they kind of got obliterated in. If you look at the, you know, look at all the statistical factors and look at the XG, which I know our boy Scott loves and, and he'll point to that and say, what a joke. Um, but Spurs statistically, and kind of when you watched, especially in that first half, kind of got pummeled in this game and they won it four nil. That is a sign of a really good, good team and a, 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 a sign of a team that is doing things that are really important. And I think it's important for us to just embrace that and enjoy it. Even if it sounds like we're getting a little, maybe punching a little bit above our weight and getting a little bit too cocky, like that's okay right now. We're in the moment. This is, you know, a few hours after the game has ended and we're pumped about this. And I think we're allowed to be because going on the road to Villa and winning four nil when you didn't really have your best, uh, you didn't really have your fastball. You didn't even really have your curveball or your changeup either, but you still got the job done. That's really important. And you talk about going on the road to Anfield yeah that's that's one of the trips and they have brentford and norwich look that three of the final seven are away arsenal have five of their final eight away i mean that's the the run in here looks really interesting for breaking down this race for fourth i mean yeah it does on on paper i'm not subscribing to the we got pummeled narrative we went into the halftime one up we got out muscled in the first half. And I think that Gerard set that team up tactically to stop what we do well. Um, but I think he got out coached. And oh, he I definitely that, did. And I think that when we came out in the second half, Conte let him know we don't take any more shit. And all of a sudden Brazilians started getting kicked. That's all I'm saying. I I I I totally get and and even agree with what you're saying about, I know we didn't get pummeled. The first half was hairy is, is, is I think the, the, the grander point. And it kind of goes back to, to Hugo's performance in that first half. And that's, this is why he's my man of the match is because that's if right. you don't get that first half performance from Hugo, you, that game can go four five, seven different ways for you. If, if you didn't get into half up one nil and that was very, very hairy, especially Boy, that free, I keep thinking about that free kick and how it was right on the goal line 
and he had to dive to his right and do everything he could just to muscle that ball out of there. Yeah. I keep thinking about that Coutinho free kick and thinking, boy, if that ball goes in, this game may have been extremely different. And of course, they come out and within the first five minutes, they score, they go up to nil. And let's be honest, like I said earlier, from there, those final 40 minutes were a nothing burger. That game was a wrap. And so, yes, I agree. They didn't get pummeled, but they had to face a lot, a, a, a shit ton of adversity in the, in the first half that could have made that game go very differently. So to have to have fought that off and to have gotten the job done in those circumstances against a team that has a lot of talent and you're away from home and, and all of the, you know, the, all of the pressure, let's be honest, all the pressure had built up after everything that happened earlier in the day with, you know, and, and even going back to wolves losing yesterday, like these are all factors that you think about when you go into that match and you say, Oh boy, we really better get the job done. And they got the job done, which I think it's is, a resilient is to be bunch. Yes. It's a resilient bunch, Caroline. And I think that that is Conte personified. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's why we feel like we can be so bullish about, you know, the rest of the season is because in the last few games, we've shown great mentality, you know, handled different types of adversity on the pitch and off with injuries as well. So I, I don't well, see and why we don't we have a cup for Europe. Yeah. So I don't see why we wouldn't be feeling positive, you know, <laughs> Caroline, did yeah. you have something more you wanted to say about young Min's son? Always. Um, <laughs> but specifically, <laughs> but specifically, I just wanted to call out that, you know, a lot of times this season, sometimes fairly, sometimes not, he's, uh, been accused of being maybe a little wasteful and today he was literally perfect, you know, 100% efficiency on his three shots. So I, I, I want so badly for him to get the golden boot this season and that's what I'm excited about. I will say, I, I would like to ask Todd uh, how he's feeling about his Harry Kane prediction at this point. Less excited than I was three games ago. <laughs> uh, and the only reason why I say that is because man turned into facilitator and just decided that he wanted to spread the wealth. Um, and maybe he felt bad and wanted Sonny to get a golden boot this year. When, when, so, when, Tottenham, when Tottenham scored 12 straight goals without him scoring one of them, that's when yeah, and that's see, the, the wild shit is that Harry Kane scores when he wants, and clearly he's just chosen not to. So, I mean, when your manager goes up to you after a match and goes, and when you've won, what, 4-5-0 or whatever it was, and he looks at you and goes, I'm so sorry. The only thing, you played amazing. I'm so sorry you didn't score. Like, yeah. that was the only thing. And it was like Harry had two chances that got poached by Emerson Royale, and I think Decky got the other one. But it, it was what it was. Um, 17. 17. Well, look, Todd, to your point, I actually I'm, – I'm almost on the level that you were previously, or at least on the level that you are now about him scoring because he could go out and bang four to four next week. Like, I mean, we say that, but that's not how – like. What we're seeing is Kane play the outlet, right. Decky and Son do work. Kane's the third man into the box, or the second man into the box. And, but, you know, but and, that's also what's producing the goals like the pure sex goal from earlier that we talked about. Okay. Like, that's no, no, no. The, pu the pure sex goal from earlier and all those little one touch passes that uh -huh. Kane's doing to the outs to the outlets and things like that. You're right. If the buildup slows down, he can get back into it. But again, this is Kane playing a 10 and then being expected to play the nine, like which is what Antonio Conte was talking about yesterday. He'd love to get a pure 10 in there so Harry can actually be the best number nine in the world because he's the best number nine and the best number 10 in the world. So I, I actually like it's interesting you bring up bringing in a pure 10 because I think that the way they're playing right now works so well and I think it can be used and and. I think it can be used in such a multitude of ways against such a different number of types of teams that you're it's, not it's, wrong. It's a very versatile way of playing. Now, does it put a lot of pressure on a guy like Harry Kane to do both roles and to play in multiple ways? And, and a guy who is, you know, what is he 27 going on 37 in terms of his ankle health? I, I get all of that. Yeah. But, but it, the, the way that they play is so, damn cool that yeah. and it's so impressive that it, it just and i don't care if if, if young min's son leads this team of goals i don't care if if next season it's kulisevsky like 
if and I know that Harry Kane probably cares more than anyone because he wants to score goals. But if he's like peeking over his shoulder and heading the ball on to, to Sun free, like that is the type of thing that that is the type of thing that makes me so excited to see team goals. And and this team is scoring team goals. There are no individual, you know, a, a lot of praise is coming towards Sonny today for, for his not three goals, but his hat trick um, as it should a hundred percent. But the man who is setting those things up and the men who are setting those things up, I say man being Kane and men being the rest of them, like, like Kulisevsky, those guys are all playing in such harmony. And I think it's what makes this front three. And it kind of goes back to the point you were, I try and think, I think making with Liverpool earlier with Liverpool, it seems like those guys all score on individual brilliance. And I'm sure they have great team goals. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to slight Liverpool. They're a great team, but this team doesn't score the majority of its goals on individual brilliance. It scores the majority of its goals on team brilliance. And I think that is way more fun to watch and it's way more enjoyable to watch. But it doesn't work at Turf more in February. And that's the tough thing. When they stick 10 men behind the ball, you need somebody to unlock that. You need somebody to – That's not. they're not going to give you those counter opportunities to fly. And that's where you really need a playmaker. That's where you need to be able to drop into a, a 3-5-2 and with that 10 and get some runs off of his shoulders. And that's where I think it'll be interesting to see how much flexibility – that Antonio Conte has the ability to build into this squad once we actually do get a legitimate playmaker here that's not named Harry Kane. I think that's a I think that's an extremely good point. And it just it opens up the possibilities for a conversation about the summer window, which we don't have the time to do today, but <laughs> but we will have plenty of time to do. Um I, I I wanted to like look at this run in and and tell me, I guess on a scale of one to ten, how confident you guys are, because as I mentioned earlier. It's three of seven away for Spurs. They have Brighton next week, then at Brentford, Leicester, then at Liverpool. Then it's the North London Derby, which has finally been rescheduled as of this week, uh, something that we haven't even really discussed. But yes, that, that, that match is finally on the books. Then it's the rematch against Burnley after that, and then they finish away to Norwich. For Arsenal, this run-in just feels a little tougher. And I know this is, again, I'm getting a little over my skis perhaps and getting a little confident, but they go away to Southampton, which I know will not lose 6-0 in back-to-back matches. That is just not... Hassan Hoodle will do it two or three times in a year, but he won't do it back-to-back, let's be honest. Uh, they are at Southampton, then a midweek match against Chelsea. That's their game in hand. Uh, so away to Chelsea, then home to Manchester United, away to West Ham, who are in this thing and, and battling leads at home. Then the North London Derby, then away to Newcastle and home to Everton, a, a club that is after beating Manchester United, right? This morning, still battling relegation. And a lot of these teams are, have something to fight for to me, Shuban, my confidence at this point out of 10 is probably like a seven and a half or eight that Spurs are going to lock this thing up. Where are you? I'm inside the party line. And that is, you focus on what we're, what we're doing. Whatever Arsenal do, Arsenal do. Arsenal do or don't do. We have to handle our business. And as long right now, we are in the driving seat. And as long as we handle our business, let Arsenal's chips or potatoes fall where they may. Caroline, where are you at? Out of 10, confidence-wise. I'm at a solid 8. I could never say 10 just because football is going to football, you know. But yeah, just based on every all the factors, feeling really good about it. TC, what about you, man? Where are you out of ten uh, in confidence that Spurs are going to lock up, lock down? I'm a nine. It's a fucking wrap. Let's go. (laughs) Well, if it were a wrap, you'd be a ten. No, 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 no. We don't give out tens. What do you think this is? Fop mop. Get out of here. It's so funny that I am always consistently the most um, apprehensive to be effusive in my praise. And this pod, I have been very, very giving of my praise, and yet I still ended up pretty much the, the, the lowest of anyone at seven and a half or eight. Chuba, no one who listens to this pod is surprised by this revelation. You know, that feels like shots fired, but it's also very, very true. So I'm gonna. No, I'm actually to the. I'm actually to the point where, and and trust me, I'm not I'm not wishing or hoping for this whatsoever. I want us to in the North London Derby go and smash them five nil, hell eight nil. 
but I'm to the point where I'm realizing that that game will be um, third to the, to the last game of the season now. And I'm realizing that if Spurs can build themselves a cushion, they could afford to drop points in that match and it not matter. But we won't. I mean, I know, but I'm saying they could afford to. Is <laughs> like if if they can play well over the next handful of weeks, that's that's how confident I am right now in this club, and 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 that they could get to the point where they could actually afford to. And we're only talking about a three point lead on them right now, and obviously I'm, they still have the game in hand. I'm just curious, in terms of our games, are our games like generally at the same time as Arsenal's, or are we generally playing all our matches after them? It, ex- gen- generally the same in, in the same realm um, except for obviously their their game in hand is a midweek game um, and that comes after the next match week uh, we both play on the 16th uh, of of April which is next Saturday then they have the midweek game against Chelsea and then the games are fairly lined up I think I don't know that they're the exact time or day but in terms of match weeks and match weekends they are pretty lined up going down the stretch and of course they have the the one meeting still left at white Hart lane so yeah so the reason i'm talking about Arsenal is that first of all you know you know they talk about oh well Arsenal under pressure because you know you know it's time going first or it's under pressure because Arsenal going first first of all i think i think i don't think footballers do that i think they just go in they go in in the game i think the fans feel the pressure more more than more than, than the players but i think at the same time, Arsenal were able to turn around, and that's why they were fourth for as long as they were for. Yeah. And then they obviously slipped away a little bit, and we, you know, picked up the baton, run with it. But I'm not discounting them yet. They have Smithrow and Saka, two very, very good players, and if they're able to, you know, convert their chances, get those things going, you know, they are, you know, they can, you know, they can, yeah, they'll push us close. So. I am definitely, like I said, uh, I really, maybe I'm, maybe because I'm British or something, I like turn party line or something, but no, definitely Conte, Hugo, they said, look, we've got to focus on what we're doing. We, because I honestly think if we focus on what we're doing, we have, like, as um, TC alluded to, we are scoring a shed ton of goals. We have toxic pond water filth, making sure that we don't concede that many goals. And we have Spider Man in goal. You know, it's, pretty much a good combination right now and i'm happy to play this you know these cards for as long as we can and and play the cards they will i think i guess the only the only place i leave this and not to leave it on a downer is you have to be conscious of the injury factor too because the doherty injury we don't know yet and let's see going forward you you don't want a lot of other games like they just had against villa where where tackles are being thrown in left and right um, and and risking injury, you want something a little more clean than that. Hopefully, <laughs> that Ashley Young tackle that was. I it remember was we, I think we were all saying like, "Take Kane off, take Kane off," and then like well, a minute later. Well, and that's later, where the standard of the refereeing comes into play. You know that that was totally yeah. on the ref today. He had to take control of the game, and he didn't. But you also can't rely on those things. You know, you can't rely no, on the help. Never. <laughs> you unfortunately have to make your own way and. To this point, Spurs have done that, and that's what we can appreciate. Um, and we can kind of hang on and 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 hold on to that. Um, and just we're all just now going to go take a swim in the in the toxic pond water filth and enjoy the rest of our week because we've got Brighton to look ahead to, and you know just keep stacking the points. Let's 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 keep this roll going. Uh, this has been a fun one. You can follow Shuban at the Real Shuban. Follow Caroline at CG Stefko. Follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho. Follow me at Asetka. And more importantly, follow us at Tottenham Depot. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, hit us up on the socials. Let us know what you want to hear about next. We'll be back with you next weekend following Brighton. And hopefully, um, hopefully more sexy goals and pond water filth to talk about then until then this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast as always come on you Spurs thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music as well as the tunes you are hearing right now thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do and thanks to you the listener who really makes this happen supporters make this club 
and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>